Good morning. So most of you have probably heard Jake say before that he gets really, really nervous every time he speaks, so he doesn't eat. I don't. So I brought snacks. Just to make sure I get through the day, I don't want my sugar to drop. So I promise this will make more sense later. Not, no, not so necessarily so much right now, but it will at some point. My hands are sticky now, I don't know why. Caramel apples. I didn't do very good with my caramel apples. Caramel's supposed to stay stuck a little bit better. I had to freeze them last night because it kept wanting to run off and it's finally thawed out a little bit. But. So long story short, you can tell Jake's clearly not here because I am. Uh, but where Jake is, is at a church camp. And the word that I got from him this morning is that things are going very well. And so anytime that somebody's displaced, this is his pulpit. And I very, very strongly believe that he's the one that's supposed to be here. So uh, I will try to do the best that I can to do it worth, uh, worthy, but uh, he's still the one that's supposed to be here. So uh, as we start our service, I just ask that you'd keep him in your prayers. And uh, as he finishes out his week there, that he would continue to see souls saved and lives changed. But if we would have a title for today, it would be commitment. And uh, if you want to go ahead and pull up Matthew 16, 24 there. Uh, that's going to be the verse that we use for this, well, one of the verses that we use for this morning. Um, so in Matthew 24, we'll just go ahead and read it here. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father uh, with his angels, and he will reward each one according to his works. So the very beginning, what I want to focus on is um, you will deny yourself. So this is talking to, about the people that want to have a relationship with Christ. They have accepted his salvation. That he's the Lord of their life. And if, that, if we really focus on what that means, denying myself means that I don't do what I want to do. I do what he tells me I'm supposed to do. Is anybody here really good at taking directions even when you don't want to? It's a lot of honest people. Is anybody in here really good at saying, I probably ought to. It's probably not really that bad, but since he told me I'm going to, I don't want to. Is anybody a little more inclined to that? There's a few honest people. Probably more of us that way than not. Because a lot of the times, even if we know it's not that bad, it's not that hard, we just flat out don't want to do it because somebody told me to. This is not what we're talking about here. What I want us to focus on is commitment. There's lots of different ways that we can be committed. We should be committed in our marriage. We should be committed to our job. We should be committed to lots and lots of things in life that are all great. They're well and good. But I'm talking this morning specifically to the people that's accepted Christ as their Savior. And his commitment to you should desire a commitment from you back to him. Because see, that's the way that a, a love relationship works. 
I love on somebody, they love on me back. We go back and forth. And that's the commitment. That's why marriage works. It's the commitment. We were joking around in the, in the foyer, um, myself and a couple others, and, and Ann Johnson. And was, we were just talking about how sometimes in her words exactly were opposites attract. And I said, it's almost like the Lord designed a puzzle with the specific pieces to put together. You would think that he maybe even designed it that way. It's not just an active, random, uh, random act, you know. And so as we think about this, what our life looks like, what the world looks like, and the commitments that we have and the lack of commitments sometimes that we have, a lot of times what we get mixed up is where does the commitment matter? And that's the, that's the hardest thing to discern is it's not so much that we have a lack of commitment, it's where is our commitment at? Do we choose the right commitment today or the wrong commitment today? So... The second part there is when it says, take up your cross. What is your cross? Well, our cross is whatever hurts us. Whatever is the hardest thing for us to do. Uh, most typically, you know, the, the old saying, your mess is your message. Your test is your testimony. This is your cross. Your cross isn't being persecuted because um, you talk about being a Sunday school teacher. That's not your cross. Your cross is whenever God says, hey, Noah, I want you to build a boat, and it's sand. We feel like we're going through a little bit of a drought right now, especially for us farmers that have experienced about a month without any rainfall. We're kind of starting to get this thought that maybe it's not going to rain. Uh, and so it's a little bit, little bit random. And I actually told the guys in the shop yesterday, we have this little bitty wagon I'd ordered for a, a friend of mine, like a little bitty, like the size of that table. But it looks like a real full-size wagon. It's the cutest thing in the world. And I said, we ought to put that out by the road, saying we're praying for rain, and hook it to a really big tractor. So that way you're expecting a muddy fall, a muddy harvest. So that way, you know, you, you kind of plan ahead. Uh, we kind of laughed and joked about it. But the reality is, is whenever things are going, going hard, that's when your commitment shows up the most. It's really easy to praise God when things are going great. But whenever your cross is looking you in the eye, whenever your problem, your, your curse for the day is looking you in the eye, and you stay strong, your commitment stays the same, that's when it matters, not when it's easy. So if the world is going to see something different out of you, if the world is going to see a commitment that is different of your commitment than the rest of anybody else that they know, it has to be coming from the seasons of hardship. So when it says, he, take up your cross and follow me. So in other words, when you follow him, he has bought you. He went to the livestock auction and paid the price for you. You, you can't buy yourself. Does anybody know how much money it would take to buy your soul? Throw out a number. By the way, I, I did this in the first service. It was a little bit later. I'll do this a little bit earlier in this one. I need three volunteers before we go any further. I need three volunteers. Just three random people. Raise your hand. It'll come later. Thank you. You and your brother has always been really good at volunteering. Thank you for that. Okay, Katie? One more. Somebody's getting voluntold, but I'm not going to pick on him. All right, Aaron, okay, thank you. If you three will listen fast, I'll talk fast, we'll get out of here, and you can still get your tequilas good and early. That's really all it was for. Yeah, seriously, the interaction, I just need a little interaction. The faster you guys interact, the faster I move on to the next point, and I promise we'll get out of here quick. So 
how much money does it take to buy our soul? It's not possible. So it doesn't matter what you do, you can't buy it. What did he have to pay for your soul? Whether you're lost or you're saved today, what did Jesus have to pay for your soul? His blood, exactly. His commitment to you was shown thousands of years ago. He didn't pay a high price. He paid the highest price for you. He laid his commitment out on the table before you even knew who he was. He knew you, but you didn't know him. That's what commitment gets you. Commitment is whenever it's the hardest. You say, that's fine, I'll do it. Commitment is not what we get mixed up with in the majority. And that's what this is going to come, come back to here in just a minute. Some of these props. But what commitment gets us is commitment says, because I made this decision, this is what I have to do, even if I don't want to. In the garden, Jesus was praying. What did he ask? If this cup could pass, let it. But if not, I'll do it. That's commitment. So what I want us to think about, because what commitment is, what taking up our cross is, what following him is, is not showing up Sunday morning and sitting in a chair. It's showing up Sunday morning and teaching a Sunday school class. It's showing up Sunday morning and making sure things are ready to go. The guys in the balcony that serve ever so faithfully, the people on the stage that serve ever so faithfully, that's commitment. But true commitment is not going to be involved in this church on a Sunday morning for 90% of the people in this room. Commitment is coming here and absorbing something and taking it out to the world, taking it to your family, taking it to your friends, taking it to the people that don't ever come to church. And then they say, that guy's different. That lady over there, she had a bad week, and she's still the same. Why? Why would that be? Because then the reality is, is when they have a hard day, they don't understand why things are going rough. They have a hard day and they come up and say, hey, I don't know why, but I got to talk to you because you're the only one that doesn't lose their temper when things go wrong. You're the only one that whenever you had a flat tire last week said, well, praise God, I was probably saved from something else. When we're that person in a world of darkness, we stand out. That is your cross. That is whenever you follow him and you're taking his cross that's now your cross into a world that's hurting, that needs his message, that wants his message, but they don't even know how to find it. That is commitment. Commitment is whenever Daniel says, nope, not today. We're going to throw you in a lion's den. That's fine. Throw me. Commitment is when Noah says, hey, I'm going to go out to the middle of a desert and build this ginormous boat. And unlike the Titanic, it's not going to sink. A little pun in there. I mean, it's been like all over the news. I thought maybe that would get a little bit more of a chuckle. That's what commitment is. Commitment's hard. It's ugly. It's painful. But it's worth it. Now, I have on each side of the pulpit here two caramel apples. I'm going to tell you what commitment is not. Okay? We just gave some examples of what commitment is. This is what commitment is not. A few years back, I was at a church camp in Wayne City. And there's a couple girls that come to our youth group on a real regular basis that we've always had a lot of fun with our kids. 
So whether it's pranks, practical jokes, whatever, laughing, giggling, whatever it is, we just always had a lot of fun with our kids. And these two individuals were very committed, always here on a regular basis. And so there was an eating contest one day. Myself, Brother Jake was there. Uh, and I know Chris Marsh, and I don't remember who the fourth person was, but there was four of us. And whoever won, whoever ate our caramel apple the fastest, got points for our team that day. Now, my wife and my family is here in the crowd this morning. They will attest, I am the least competitive person in my family. To the point where they hate being on my team because I'm not competitive. Like, well, we're going to lose. Eh, be all right. Because I really don't get worked up about it. It does not bother me. However, for whatever day, or for whatever reason that day, I, I decided I was going to step it up a little bit. Maybe it was because I had kids and I was representing instead of just me. I don't know. I don't understand why. But as we get these caramel apples served to us, there was four of them. And me and Jake take a bite of ours as the other two take a bite of theirs. And me and Jake's eyes immediately water. Because our caramel apple is an onion. Does anybody cry when you cut an onion? Okay. I asked in the first service if anybody, and there was two people, if anybody ate a raw onion like an apple. Does anybody in this room do this? We got one. Son, you're weird. <laughs> two. You are too. Anybody else? You, you are? You're crazy. I knew you were crazy because you married him, but I didn't know he's that crazy. So, so onions. I hate onions. I've hated, hated onions all my life. You can take the most delicious cheeseburger, put everything on it, and the first thing I'm going to do is take a pickle and an onion off because I hate both. That's, I, I, will, I love, I even like onions when they're cooked. Onion rings, like them, but raw onions, they don't like me, I don't like them. So this first bite goes into my mouth and my eyes start watering. I look over to Jake, and if has anybody ever seen Jake have a gag reflex? He's got a little bit of a light stomach, and I'm not necessarily picking on him because he's not here. It's just that's the way he is. He has a gag reflex that comes out pretty regularly. So as he takes a bite, he's, uh, and he's trying not to throw up on the stage, he runs away. And I look out to the crowd, and these two little individuals are sitting there smiling from ear to ear, and I thought, game on. I'll show you. I'll keep eating. So I take the second bite. Now, this is a very close example of what I had. It was peanut butter with caramel all over it. The good thing, I like peanut butter. So the good thing about the peanut butter was it helped kind of hide the taste of the onion. But it was still very, very, very strong. And so as I keep eating, I get about three-fourths of the way done, and somebody finally finishes their apple. And everybody was like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? It's like... I'm supporting my team. I was going to make an effort because I thought if nothing else, even if I don't finish first, surely to goodness, because I ate this nasty onion, I will get the same amount of points as what they got. I got nothing, just so you know. I got nothing. <laughs> However, I got something in the end. It wasn't pleasant. It was not pleasant at all because my body does not like onions. Onions does not like my body. So all night long and half the day the next day as we took off on family vacation, uh, anything that would smell like an onion made me want to throw up. And ever so often, we had to stop, and we stopped at porta potties. We stopped at any public restroom. We stopped at everywhere in the world. 
that night, all throughout the night, about every 30, 45 minutes, the little boy's cabin had a light go on in the bathroom because I was hurting. I was hurting bad. I'm telling you this because I had commitment that day. I had a strong commitment. I was bound and determined that I was going to overcome what my body said to do so I could keep up my commitment that I had made to those kids. Stupid commitment. But it was a commitment. How many of our lives are changed every day because we're taking a commitment that we should have ran away from? I started with one bite. My eyes started watering. At that moment, if I would have just spit it out on my plate and said, peace out, I'm no more, not happening, I wouldn't have been sick. I wouldn't have cried for like a good solid 45 minutes because of all the onion. Like when you breathe after you eat that much onion, for hours your eyes still water because it's, it's rough. I wouldn't have cried all those tears because of a stupid onion. It was a little bit of a self-pride. It was a little bit of a commitment to the kids. It was a little bit of lots of things. But nonetheless, I'm the one that suffered what I did. Some of the other kids probably suffered as well, but I'm the one that really, really suffered. So I think about this. Our commitment, the ones that's really consuming us all day, every day, are they really worth it? You look at what Noah did. You look at what Daniel did. You look at, and we're getting ready to go to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you want to go ahead and pull those verses up, and Daniel. Um, You look at what these guys did, and they said, hey, this is what you're going to do. And they said, Nah, no, this is, this, is, this is what I'm feeling today. Just not going to happen. Let's read Daniel 3.16 here. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, and before we go any farther, I want you to focus on the O. So does anybody in here have experience talking to a teenager with a little bit of sass? Okay. So when you get a little sass from a teenager... You're laughing over here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on Lauren. Lauren, if you were given a little bit of sass to your mom or dad, what would you say whenever they, Lauren, why did you do that? Would you give them like a hand? Would you say whatever? Would you roll your eyes? What, what would you do? Roll your eyes? Okay. Okay. So as parents, how happy does that make you when they, when they roll their eyes at you? Not, not real happy, no. Anybody else have a good example of what you don't do to parents? The whatever, the, you know, that is exactly what these guys just told the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. That's like me looking at my mom's in the crowd and saying, Oh, mom, no, it's not worth my time to give you an answer. This is the king that kills on demand, this is the king that has the power to do whatever to you that he wants to. And these three boys look at him and say, it ain't worth my time to answer you, buddy. That's, that's guts. Now, I had guts like that, okay? Remember, I had guts like that. I just had it in the wrong spot. So let's keep going. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Go ahead and go to the next one if you don't care. Oh, there are certain Jews. Oh, no, no. We went back. So uh, let, me, let me look it up. I'll just read it for you. 
Yep, that's okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If, it's, if that the case, that our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. O king, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship your golden image that you have set up. Three times... These boys say, oh, king, oh, no, 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 no. I don't even need to talk to you. Because the guy that I serve, he's got this. That's commitment because they knew his commitment to them in the fact that he's already shown them over and over and over why he loves us in spite of us. So when we get tested, when we go through the hard times, when we go through this stuff that people make fun of you, mock you, whatever, that's just to let you know that he's committed to you. When we go out into the world and we experience this and we, we know that he's committed to us and we show our commitment to him, that changes lives. That means that these altars get used because we invite people in to hear the message for the first time. We share, them, share with them the testimony of how God got us through a hard time. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what our commitment is designed for. Not to be in a stupid contest of eating an onion. But yet, many times in our life, we get mixed up on what our commitment is to. Our commitment is to family. That's great. But it shouldn't trump God. Our commitment is to work. That's wonderful. You need to make a living. But it shouldn't trump God. Our commitments matter. When we say yes to one thing, we probably have to say no to multiple other things. When you say yes to God, you're going to have to say no to multiple other things. Does everybody realize that? It costs you something. But you go back to what Matthew said there, and it said, but I'm coming to reward everyone on their works. Your works, is this is not about a money situation. This is about a reward that says, I'm here. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you joy that can't be found anywhere else. That's what he's bringing you when you work for him, when you serve him, when you take up his cross. Get back to my notes here so I can remember where I'm supposed to be. So in Daniel 3.12, let's read that one. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. That's the accuser. Anybody here ever have somebody that was always snipping at your heels, trying to throw you under the bus, trying to make sure somebody knows you need to get in trouble? We all have an accuser. And who is it? Satan. That's exactly right. Was he a trustworthy witness? No. He's the author of what? Lies. So we have this guy roaming about every day making up lies about you and me and everybody else. And every day that accuser is going to do anything he can to try to stop you, to try to get in your head to make you think something that isn't real just to try to slow you down. Because if your commitment is strong to the Lord, that means that you're stealing his people. That means that you're making his life harder. He's already damned to hell. He knows where he's going. He just doesn't know how many of you he can take with you. 
And that's what he's trying to do. Our commitment to the Lord should be strong enough, though, that the people that are lost, even if they don't know why we have this joy, why we have this peace, they should start asking questions whenever they have good days, bad days, hard days, whatever. So I've got a little video here that I'm going to show you. And, and this is, this is, this is kind of what happens when the accuser is in our ear talking. We get talked into doing some things that we might not want to do. It might not even be that bad, but it just seems like it just goes a little farther than we want to. I don't care to play that, Jace. that just about does it. He's not done yet. Well, he may take a little while with that last bite, but it'll go down. That ain't the last bite. Well, sure it is. There's nothing on that plate but gristle and fat. Double the bit. No problem. Listen, if I can get a dessert down him, I think you could throw in a couple of Paul's Bunyan hats for the kids. John Candy there was getting rather miserable. His brother-in-law got him into this because he asked the question, what is the old 96er? And the waitress goes on to say, well, nobody in my lifetime has ever ate it. And so he's asking everybody around the table, hey, you feel up for it? And asks John Candy, I don't remember his name in the movie, is he up for it? He's like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. And then at the end, it's not enough. So not only did he have to go back and eat all the disgusting that he had already cut out, but then his brother-in-law is sitting here saying, what about it if, we, if we get a cheesecake? We get, get a little dessert, just a little bit more, just, just, just a little. The guy's already miserable. Shows he's clearly miserable, and it's not enough. You know the amazing thing about sin? It's the exact same way. The amazing thing is about commitments that we make sometimes that we know we shouldn't make. It's the exact same way. It's not just enough to take you today. I need you today, and what about tomorrow? You, th you think I can take your commitment tomorrow? Okay, we got two days in a row. What, what, what about three days? And that's the way that our commitments get mixed up. So how do we discern from what we should commit ourselves to and not? And in Psalms 86.11, pull it up here. It says, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. If I know who I serve and I'm in communication with him, he reveals things to me. What do we all have in us if, we, if we've accepted Christ? Who lives in us? Holy Spirit. Between talking to him, between a conscience itself that tells you what's right and what's wrong, between reading the Bible, between uh, a, a strong prayer life, 
between coming to church and hearing the Word of God, all of that helps you know what your commitment should and shouldn't be. It's when we, when we drift away from that that it gets really, really easy to get the wrong commitments lined up. I feel like us as a church especially, we're really, really quick to say, oh, I need help here, I need help there, whatever, and we'll ask God. But then whenever he gives us the answer that we don't want, what do we do? Nothing. God, I need a sign. Give, give me a sign. What should I do? That's not the one I wanted, so I'll just ignore it. And I'm preaching to myself here. This, this is not picking on you guys. This is every one of us in the room. The only people I'm not picking on right now is if you're here and you, you don't have a relationship with Christ, and that will come later. So for those of us that's in the room, how do we get disciplined enough to know that this is a mountain that I'm willing to die on and this is a mountain that I should have turned away and walked away from. Because not always the first bite of the onion, we don't know. So many times the Bible tells us to count the cost, but most of the time we don't know the cost until the process is over. We can figure out some of them, but we can't figure out all of them because we don't know how deep, how long it's going to go. And whether that's a good cost or a bad cost, we don't know until it's all said and done. However, he does. So it comes back to, once again, this lordship of who owns you, who bought you, who paid the high price for you. When you talk to him, he has this miraculous thing that he actually knows what you should do if we just listen. And that's the hardest thing for us to do. Because once again, we've already discussed most of the time, we don't really want to do what people tell us to do. Bring up one more Joshua 24, 15, if you don't care. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every one of these people that I've mentioned here, they got time alone with God. They said, God, I need your advice. I need your help. I need to know what do I do. And they took a stand. They took a stand that hurts, that's painful, that requires work, blood, sweat, tears. Just like the stand that Jesus took for us on a cross. It took work. And it took, per, took per, perseverance. And that's exactly all commitment comes down to. So, as we think here, what are we fighting for and why are we fighting? This moderation that, of trying to figure out, is this my fight or not my fight? That has to come from him. Only from him. You can seek godly advice and that helps, but he's the only one that truly knows. However, no matter what process we're in, how we handle ourselves during this matters a lot. And so if you will remember when Paul and Silas were, were in jail, uh, what did they do when the chains fell off? Anybody remember? They sung. That's exactly right. When we praise his name through the midst of it, just like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said, hey, he's able. Even if he doesn't, he's able. So let me tell you, King, you might think you're in charge of this right now, but he's not. 
You are the king of this, of this world as you see it, yes. But my king is your king. And he's the king of everything. And so if I praise my father, if I take a stand for him today, he trumps you. So sorry, bug off. I don't need you. That is commitment that's worth dying for, that's worth fighting for. And so as we, as we begin, I'm going to ask Jamie and the musicians to come up. As we begin to think what that looks like, I'm going to go to the next thing here. What do I have in both hands? I need to hear you. Popcorn. What's the difference? This one rattles. It's not popped. This one's popped. This one right here has got some wonderful attributes to it. It has butter. Does anybody like butter on popcorn? I like butter on popcorn. It's got salt on popcorn. Does anybody like salt on their popcorn? How about I put some salt and butter on this popcorn and you eat it? It doesn't sound near as appealing, does it? Because, see, when we get close to the fire, when we get close to what God is calling us into, he might not consume us, but he might change us. And this popcorn, if I'm going to eat popcorn, I had the rest of the bag that popped with this last night. It was tasty. It was really, really good. Extra butter, put a little salt on it, and wonderful. I'm not going to eat this that way. Unless I can get it exposed to a little bit of a fire, a little bit of a flame, a little bit of heat, it's really not that tasty. And that's the same way we are. If we don't expose ourselves to the flame, if we don't let God take us to our breaking point, we aren't going to pop. Who's supposed to be the salt of the earth? Us. I can salt that popcorn all you want and it doesn't matter. I can salt this popcorn and it makes it really tasty. Just think about that. As we go through life, if we're not getting stretched, if we're not getting a little uncomfortable, we're probably not where we're supposed to be. Now, Jamie's getting ready to sing a song, and I asked the whole praise team, or the, not the whole praise team, but the, all the musicians come up, because I want this to be a little bit different of an altar call. So if you are there in your seat, and you don't feel like you have anything going on at all, I want you to just think about a time that you did. I want you to praise him for this. This means where you actively sing, you sing loud, and you remember that time. If you're going through that hard time right now, whether you pray in your seat or here at this altar, you pray, then you sing. And if you're somebody that doesn't know Christ as your Savior today, today is the day that you find out how that is. I'm here, there's several other people here that would love to talk to you to make sure that you know what it's like to have somebody that's so committed to you that he died for you. As they sing, they're going to sing a song called, Yes, I Will. And if you say the, say the words to this, as everybody stands, um, if you say the words to this very loudly in your, in your mind, it should speak loud enough on its own. So I will quit talking and let them sing. working all things 
Guys, I'm going to ask if I have one person to volunteer to dismiss us today. And whoever volunteered, it's 1127. So whoever volunteered, those three people, you did good. You listened fast. I talked fast. You got early. So you guys can beat everybody else to whatever restaurant you want to get to today. So any, uh, I will say, though, if there's anybody that, if you haven't been baptized, you want to be baptized, if you uh, want to accept the Lord today, just catch one of us after church today. Um, I feel like there's somebody here that needs to make a decision, so if that's you, just catch us afterwards. But who wants to volunteer to get us out of here? You're cutting into your lunchtime. Thank you. <laughs>